Well, this is the July bonus recording for Pop Cult, and we are going to be talking about uh, Space Jam, the original film from 1996. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Space Jam, my first question is why are you listening to this? Uh, <laughs> next. Already bullying the audience. Why are you here? <laughs> uh, it is a live action animated sports movie. A, ver a genre with lots of entries in it, right? Yeah. Uh, it stars Michael Jordan as himself. <coughs> it also co-stars uh, Wayne Knight. Um, you have Bill Murray. You have a ton of NBA uh, athletes. Uh, I believe Billy West does the voice of one of the aliens. Yes. And then Danny DeVito is like the voice of the evil boss aliens. You're going, wait a minute, aliens? What? What are you talking about? So the film is about how Michael Jordan, who was a minor league baseball player at the time, after he retired from the uh, NBA, um, is kidnapped by alien, or no, he's kidnapped by Bugs Bunny and the Looney Tunes because they're being threatened by aliens that run an amusement park planet that no one is visiting and so they want to, like, steal the Looney Tunes? And I'm, am I right so far? Okay. And so, wait, wait. And then yeah. they... I don't know how basketball becomes part of this Okay, movie. so it's supposed to... I, I was going to say, I never watched this movie. It came out when I was 15. And I just... I'm not a big sports person. You have seen this movie before. Yes, as a child. And I've not revisited it in years. And even, like, watching it as an adult... I'm just like, I don't... Why is this happening? Okay, so what it is, is um, in outer space, there's an amusement park. Uh, we cover that. More on a, a mountain. And it's supposed to be like, things are declining, so if they decided they need to bring a new hit ride, and he decides... That's going to be the Looney, Looney Tunes. Tunes. Okay. Um, so like Six Flags, yes. basically. And so the Looney Tunes in argument are sort of like, no, hey, in order to keep our freedom, let's do... Like they, they challenge them. They challenge them. But why does basketball become the thing? I don't. I think they just randomly pick. Like basketball. I don't. And that's thing I was trying to remember. Like when we watched the movie, why is it basketball? And, and it's I can't to remember. Be like here's the thing, and I don't remember if this was like <coughs> clearly done, but this is from the research that I did. Apparently, the so that group of aliens are called Nerdlux. I don't remember that name. And the it's supposed to be, they abducted Looney Tunes in order to develop a new attraction. Uh, upon Nerdluck's arrival, Bugs Bunny and the other Looney Tunes take advantage of the nerd's like, small stature and challenge them to a base of basketball. So the joke is like, oh, they're so tiny, of yes. course we'll dominate them. And then the Danny DeVito villain turns them into like behemoths. <laughs> Through a documentary of ba basketball, the nurses learned that the sport's best players are employed by the NBA. Oh, yeah, there's... Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> the, there's this, like, a subplot in the first act of the movie where they're stealing talent and leaving NBA players talentless, like Charles Barkley, Muggsy Bogues. Like, there's a ton of them in there. Uh, yeah, Sean Scotty Bradley, Pippen, I think, uh, there. Patrick Ewing. Patrick and, Ewing, that's um, what I was thinking of. Larry Johnson. Yeah, and so, like, they're in it. It's... It's a movie, and it's directed by Ivan Reitman, who directed yes. Animal House and Ghostbusters, Stripes. Like, by the 90s, I would say his career wasn't doing too great. He directed, like, Kindergarten Cop and Junior. 
at that point. And so they're those still, movies are they're, they're competent. Not, they're not and, like great. Space Jam is not a badly made movie. Yes, it's, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Michael Jordan should not be on the fucking. I want to say like technically, <laughs> technically, like there is a lot of work put into put into this movie, but it's. It is such a confusing movie, especially as an. I guess as a kid, you just accept whatever bullshit they put in front of as you. A kid, but as you an adult, care. I just I am still trying to figure out why. Because kids that all right. So I was and a also child. like was Bugs Bunny that popular among kids that age? Kind of. So let me explain. As as a child, that like that was the right age for this. So what it was is that. You know, Michael Jordan was everything. There was that song, Like Mike, I Wanna Be Like Mike. Oh, yeah, I remember. And, there was a movie called Like Mike. Yes. And about so, magic shoes, I think. And it's supposed to be, like, the whole thing is supposed to be, like, they got the players, like, their best talents, but the number one player is not playing basketball. He's playing what? My, he's playing baseball. He's playing baseball. Yeah. And so... When I feel like, yeah, I think he came back to the... Yes, later NBA, on. NBA, like for a up. short amount of time, and he did, yes. wasn't that great. Like, I think he just been And so, um, we, we have that whole thing that they show a scene of, like, Michael Jordan as a child, you know, keeps shooting hoops, right? Yeah. His dad it is felt like. like <laughs> myth making. Yes. Because it felt like this idealized Norman Rockwell fantasy of Michael yeah. Jordan. Because his dad is like, if you keep shooting, if you don't miss, then you could stay awake. And so he keeps shooting. There's never like a one where like, oh, no, he could. And he's like, uh, it's very much like, oh, he's just perfect at basketball. I mean, I mean, they should have had a scene where like he comes out of his mother and like slam ducks the placenta in the trash can or something. Like I don't know. <laughs> like it was that weird. I think from the research that I did in '92 and '93, Nike had two ads that had hair jordan and aerospace jordan and i think they have like michael jordan and bugs bunny in the ad and i don't know where that idea came from I don't know, but i'm guessing my my assumption is somebody saw those ads and went hey let's make an entire movie about michael jordan and bugs bunny and then that became like michael jordan and the looney tunes but there is no like you don't hear that concept and immediately conjure up a plot like there's certain combinations you can make yeah and you're like, oh, I can see how you create a story. There's no story that links these two things. Oh, like, it is a terrible movie. Yeah, so, like, like the story they come up with is just a writer trying to figure <laughs> out how do Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes end up in the same place? Why are the Looney Tunes playing basketball? Like, what are the stakes? Okay, so, all right, so in watching this movie... And what I really loved is that Michael Michael Jordan doesn't really, like, have a reason to just care that much. First of all, there's never a moment of being like, holy shit, the Looney Tunes are real. Like, there's never, like, a moment of being, He just like, accepts it, yeah. He just accepts it. They're, and, like, all the other characters, too. Yeah. They're just sort of, like, uh, they're concerned about being in the world of the Looney Tunes because they don't want to be there. But they're never, like... Oh, all those characters that I grew up watching on TV are exist in a reality of their own where yes. the rules of science like, are totally different. Like, the only thing that they ever really explained uh, was to Michael Jordan was, like, because he was concerned about one of the other loonies after, like, they got hurt. 
And they're like, oh no, in this universe, like, you can't really get killed or anything like that. And there is also, like, this bizarre thing when Bugs Bunny is explaining to Michael Jordan the urgency of them being there. There is a lot of slave analogy that kind of made me uncomfortable, especially when you think about college sports and how they are exploiting uh, mostly young black people into this weird contract where they don't make a lot of money. And... So during it, Michael Jordan does it like uh, accepts to help them as sort of a like a, a well, Michael Jordan, friendly thing. He's supposed to be like a living superhero, basically. Yes. So he but, just helps whoever. So needs like, there's help. no reason for him to do it. He sends them off to like go collect his things to his family. So the dude doesn't even go back to explain to his family why he's gone. He sends Looney Tunes. He yeah. sends the, you know the <laughs> I Looney think it's, Was it was it Bugs and Daffy? I think yes. there's, like, one more person. Again and, like, they kind of tell the kids, like, when the kids see them, like, oh, hey, your dad's doing something for us. And so, therefore, his kids are covering for him to maybe explain why he's not fucking home, like, calling his wife to let him know where the fuck he is. And, like, then when they're, like, on the verge of either winning or losing, I can't remember very well, Michael Jordan kind of was like, all right, let's up the scales. You know, the dude that has nothing to lose on this is just helping out. But I, maybe that was their acknowledgement of Michael Jordan's chronic gambling problem. <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> he wanted to go for oh, more. <laughs> hey, um, you know, like let's up the scales. If you if you win, you have me, and I will be like your mega selling point. And they're just like, yeah. And there's never like. But, like, he would leave his a family of and never see them again. Yeah, there's never a moment where he, like, pauses and Michael goes, Jordan like, is willing to sacrifice his autonomy in order to protect the Looney Tunes yes. from an alien so theme park. So it's not as if, like, there's a moment where he's like, yeah, the Looney Tunes really helped me through. You know, like, when WandaVision is watching television and explains to you why it is, it was something she did with her family. Or and then it makes get, sense. Yeah. And that makes sense. There's never a moment where he's like, man, I really love the Looney Tunes. It is yeah. just, he's there. Well, like, you literally, you have a scene with a flashback of him as a child, which is a perfect opportunity to somehow work in, like, his dad goes, hey, aren't you coming in? The Looney Tunes are on. Your favorite show. Like, me, <laughs> literally, someone who's never written a script <laughs> and is a dumb person compared to, like, somebody, like, I don't have, I don't know if I have the work ethic to churn out, like, a script. Even I could have doctored the script to create some tangential connection between these two things. And, like, as, as we've seen with, like, SNL, when it comes to, like, athletes, they are, a lot of them are really bad actors. They're just very stiff. They're very stiff, and so there's this weird thing, I don't know if you picked up on, but I did, and I was wondering why, was there's a lot of Michael Jordan just staring at the camera going like, uh, or isn't this weird? <clears throat> None of the other people who merge within this like cartoon world are ever staring at the camera. And I was like, was that supposed to just be like a thing they wanted him to do in order to like what? charm him into our hearts? Like, was it some sort of 90s like, you know, cynical sarcasm thing where you like look at the camera and you're like, can you believe this? And it's just like this side eye thing, which I because he is he is a really bad actor. There's some really interesting background to this. Okay, movie. explain it. So to me. the commercials were directed. Mm -hmm. Pardon me. By Pardoned. Guy, uh, by this guy named Joe Pitka. Okay. He's like a commercial director, 
And he really wanted to like take this and run with it. And they decide he met Ivan Reitman on a plane. Mm-hmm. And like pitched the idea. Because I guess Pitka didn't he didn't see himself as the one who could do this. <laughs> and Warner Brothers was really hesitant to like they, to do a more adult they ch- it says uh, they were trying to create a more adult, sophisticated material mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. and differentiate themselves from um, Disney. Okay. I don't remember anything about Looney Tunes at the time that was like that, but okay, okay. I'll take their word at it. Um, but they dropped the project in 1993 okay. when Jordan retired from basketball because okay. they're like, well, that doesn't make any sense to make this movie now. All He's right. not playing basketball. Um, and Joe Picca was only told they had even greenlit it and were starting to do it. Uh, months before the start of principal photography. So they boxed out this dude who had the original idea to like have these two come together. He had no plot or anything. He just thought, oh, I like seeing Bugs and Michael Jordan together. I'm thinking he was probably thinking more like, oh, it's icons. It would be putting like, oh, make a movie about, you know, Superman and Abraham Lincoln or something. Where it's like, oh, these very iconic figures. Um... Spike Lee was interested in working on the screenplay. Okay. But Warner Brothers blocked him. Why? Because their dissatisfaction from how he funded Malcolm X. I don't know a lot about Malcolm X. It's a movie I haven't seen, but I'd like to. And I didn't know there was any, like, controversy around the funding of it. Okay. But he was, like, boxed out. And that made me think, like, Spike Lee's not my favorite director. I think he's got some, like, problematic takes on a few little things. But, like, I think it would have been a better script if he had been allowed, you know, to have his hands on it. Um, In terms of casting. So we have, in this movie, Wayne Knight, Newman from Seinfeld, plays Stan, who's like... It's the baseball team that he's playing for has assigned this guy as, like, Michael's personal assistant, right? Mm -hmm. Which is weird. I guess it's because he's Michael Jordan, so they feel like, oh, we want someone to, like, cater to him to keep him happy. Yeah, but it's also, like, this weird thing of being, like, he's driving him home, and it's, like, are we assuming that Michael just joined the baseball team? Because they introduce him randomly. We don't get any credits if he's done this before. And it's just... I mean, with most of the characters in the movie, we don't know much about them other than what is shown in the movie. Um, Before they cast Wayne Knight... The, these were two people they were thinking of putting in that role, and I would I wanted to see your reaction. Okay. Michael J. Fox or Chevy Chase as as who Stan Wayne Knight's role. And so the reason it was this was Joe Pitka's idea. Okay. And the reason he picked Chevy Chase is he had worked with him uh-huh. on Doritos commercials in the nineties. But I feel like. You wouldn't have Bill Murray at the end of the day if you put Chevy Chase because I feel like they don't get along to begin with. And and Chevy Chase doesn't seem like the type of person that could play a guy that's trying to make you happy. Like, yeah. Michael J. Fox, I think they were just doing it because of height comparison because he's short. Yeah. How old was Michael J. Fox during this time? Um... He was probably in at least, yes, 30s, probably, mid-30s or that older. That would have been such a weird casting. And yeah, it was just like, I, the, my, like Chevy Chase is weird, but you're like, I guess, you know, he has a comedic background, so he can be comic relief against Michael Jordan. 
But yeah, Michael J. Fox makes no sense to me. Yeah. That one is just so strange. Um, so Mel Blanc, the original voice of basically like all the Looney Tunes characters, yeah. had died at this point. Okay. Uh, and so Warner Brothers, pretty much everything that we saw as kids was were just Mel Blanc era Looney Tunes stuff. Mm-hmm. And they might throw someone every once in a while. So at this time, Joe Alasky was the voice actor that Warner Brothers was really trying to work with and make the new voice of the Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. And he was just one of the successors. I think there was kind of like a bunch of voice actors that were trying to like vie for that spot because it's yeah, even, it's, it's work. Even if you don't necessarily like, you get paid, but it's also like a really it's like the biggest voice acting role in animation you could yeah. possibly get. So Reitman put him through so many auditions that lasted months and months. He just backed out of the project. Oh my god! <laughs> so like. This was the guy Warner Brothers wanted anyway, but it's just, it's interesting that they gave Reitman so much control over the movie. Um, They had originally planned to do a bunch of voice cameos in the movie of other, like, famous people, I guess in animated form. I don't know. And all of that got scrapped. I mean, they still managed to do it. Danny DeVito was the only one that they managed to keep a hold of. I think maybe, like, the nerd people, the aliens, were going to be famous voices, but then they ended up getting, like, you know, Billy West is in there from Futurama, which I think is a better idea because you get actual voice actors that this is what they do, rather than, you know, some, you know, Kathleen Turner is the voice of this Yeah, and the weird thing is, like, with Danny DeVito, he was barely in the movie, and he's supposed to be the big bad. Now, he was not the first choice. Who was the first choice? The first choice was an older actor who was seeing a renaissance in the 90s. Okay. Jack Palance from City Slickers, Curly. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, like, he's got a very dis- he. I mean, he's dead. He had <laughs> he had a very distinct voice. Yeah. But like, I feel like they must have based the character design <coughs> on Danny DeVito and the voice he was doing. Yeah. Because I think of the way I think his name is like Swackhammer or something. Mm-hmm. The way he looked did not look like Jack Palance. It looked more like a Danny DeVito character. Yeah. He was like a short, squat, bald. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was planned to be a live-action character originally. That kind of explains the new stuff that's coming up soon. Until the, the final like days of finalizing casting, Dennis Hopper was going to be Swackhammer. So, you know, King Koopa from the Mario movie... <laughs> that would have blown my mind as a kid. I don't think he would have done a bad job. Like I know that's like as been like as a kid, I was kind of obsessed with that movie in an un not un, not to the point that it like took over my life, but I would separate it from Mario the franchise. But that was such a catchy sound. I will say that I will say that Ivan Reitman did consult with Robert Zemeckis before he made this movie. Uh-huh. Zemeckis having directed Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay. Because he was like, I need to go to the guy who did like at the time the biggest live action animation. Yeah, and the best one. And yeah, and I mean it's Roger Rabbit's which came out in eighty nine. Still eighty eight, I think maybe. Eighty nine. Uh, it still looks better than Space Jam. Oh, definitely. And I think it also helps that Roger Rabbit has like a great script compared to yes. Space Jam. 
it just it works so much better. Like, well, also, like Roger Rabbit explains the world that they're living in. Exactly. So- There's no <laughs> attempt at world building in Space Jam. <laughs> it is. They're just like, here it is. Okay, so please explain to the audience how it is that Michael Jordan ends up in the Looney Tunes. Well, world. I, that's good because that brings me to Bill Murray, who I'm going to talk about, who is another factor that doesn't fit with anything else. Um, the, he's out golfing with Larry Bird and Bill Murray. With Wayne Knight there, like, doing the personal assistant thing. I guess a caddy in this instance. Yeah. And Michael Jordan goes to get his ball out of the hole. And they reach up, because apparently the hole links to the Looney Tune world. And they pull Michael Jordan through the hole. No one reacts with the level of astonishment that they should. Yep, nobody says anything. And it's just sort of like, oh, shit, Michael got taken to Looney Tune land. Well, what are we going to do? And then... They don't even tell his wife. Wayne Knight and Bill Murray show up there. Yeah. We don't ever see how they get there, correct? I know, like, okay, so the assistant, I know, like, put himself in there. Does he go through the golf Yes, he does. But Bill Murray, I feel like... He shows up to play in the game, like in the eleventh hour. And but he also but does like, he explain the, how he got he, there? It's almost like a fourth wall thing. He's like, "How did he get here?" And he's like, "I talked to a producer, and they, they dropped me off." Oh, yeah. So it's like lazy writing. Yes. But is it, at the same time, like it, it kind of works with the Looney Tunes sense of humor. It's just yeah, it's such a bizarre. So this movie. is gonna come off of left field. I was just curious and did a quick search to find out like what was going on with Spike Lee. So it turns out, like, the funding that he got for Malcolm X, he got funding from uh, Bill Cosby, Oprah Winfrey, Michael, like, Magic Johnson, because he was going to go over budget, and he didn't want them to shut down, so he just got them to I don't know why they would have been mad about that. Well, probably because they couldn't take the full funding of the film. So now it meant, like, these people had, He didn't come in under budget, so that also meant they didn't get any money to take back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, But, I mean... I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's just so strange. And then, of course, we get the Lola Bunny character, who just gets thrown into the movie without explanation. Well, it's like they... Okay, so they really don't explain how the Looney Tunes world works. Yeah, this one goes back to, like, the bad world building. So, like, they put in auditions for people to play. And Lola turns out to be one of the people that wants to play. She is, like, she's the only new addition that I could see... Versus everyone else who's already, like, grounded characters that we've known through our childhood. And I don't understand. So the 90s was showing this, like, Fox feminism about her. She, so wasn't there a blowout? To, let's start out. There's a blowout in the, uh, because they re. the In Space Jam 2, apparently they have, like, attempted to desexualize her character design. Yes. Uh... And Instead of making her, like, curvaceous the way they kind of presented her. And even though I'm like, she's not presented as, like, that sexual. and No, she and, is. She is. I mean, I guess I, I keep thinking of, like, Jessica Rabbit as a sexualized well, animator. Yeah, Jessica Rabbit. But she's Rabbit so exaggerated. So whole, it's yeah. so exaggerated. But she is. I'm sorry. Like, I remember just, put, like, I turned to look at the screen because this is not a movie that you pay full-on attention to because of how fucking ridiculous it is. Well, so, and also not, like, a nine-year-old child. But it's also like, okay, so she comes into play and someone, I don't know if it's Bugs Bunny, that's like, all right, doll, let's do this. And she shows her amazing techniques and she, and after she kind of like beats him up a little bit in the uh, she's like, don't call me doll. And it happens again 
So we just all she is is this sexy new. They were like, oh, we character. Need, well, I mean, from what I read, it was Bugs needed. They wanted Bugs to have a love interest, which you already have a movie that's so packed with so many elements that hasn't actually addressed the world building. Now you're gonna throw in a new character who no one's ever seen before that you also want to make the love interest of like one of the most iconic animated figures in but history. But it's also like, what? Is like okay. She is never shows up again after that. And then why is she like we don't know why she likes bugs? They net like okay, you're the love interest. Well then are you gonna have scenes with just the two of them developing that relationship? No. No, <laughs> no. no. And, and apparently there already was a female rabbit, Honey Bunny, who was a minor character in the original Looney Tunes. And they had originally thought about doing her, which I'm gonna guess maybe she wasn't as like hip as the design they came up with for Lola Bunny. Um, and so the Honey Bunny was not used and they introduced this entirely new character. Um, yeah, it's just... One of the original things was that they had intended to have her play a tomboy character. Like they wanted the voice actor to play it as a tomboy. Yeah. But the production team was worried she would be too masculine so they overemphasize the femininity of the character, which has all kinds of stuff that's like, so, like wrong with it. I looked up to see like, all right, Honey Bunny. Honey Bunny like is a, they probably didn't know what the fuck to do with her because it has to do with the fact that either she presents as yellow orange color or she's the same color as Bugs Bunny but with a bow on her head. Well, I mean, wasn't Lolo kind of an orangey color, yellowy color? Yeah, so they just probably took her the idea of her and just like sexed her up even more. Well, something we'll do in the... Because uh, we're going to be doing a mini episode about Space Jam 2. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk kind of about the recasting of the voice because it was um, originally... The casting of the voice was, let me check my notes here, Kath Sosi, or Susie, who is just like a veteran voice actress. She did voices on Tiny Toons, and recently, I mean, I guess more recently, like Danny Phantom and Dexter's Laboratory and things like that. Then Lola Bunny appears in the Looney Tunes show on Cartoon Network. Okay. And Kristen Wiig did her voice Okay. There. Now Zendaya is doing her voice. Well, it's because they always need big names. That's like, I think. And I just wondered, like, why not just have Kristen Wiig do it? Because she's a comedian. She's done voice acting. And Zendaya, like, I love Zendaya. I think she's great in the Spider-Man movie. She's one of the best parts. But it's just sort of like we already have like it's an a actress name connection. They. Like, and it's also I guess Zendaya's hot right now, and yes. Kristen Wiig is not as hot. And, yeah, and you have to look at it in this perspective, which is sort of like they are doing exactly what the first. Space games. It is just touching to do, on all kinds of which trends. is like, oh, let's you know, let's just bring in a ton of people, and you know, it's the kids might not know the voice, but the parents will really enjoy it, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it was. I'm kind of glad I didn't see it until now because I think if I was a kid and saw it, you would just. I mean, you can when it, you come to like food, you can feed kids horrible shit like candy. Well, so like as an adult, I'm looking at this and I'm just like, what. This just feels like such a like naked commercial grab. Oh, there it is. is no because like there I, is no attempt to disguise this like, as like oh memories, no this is actually a movie we really wanted to make. Yeah, like the thing is like the memory in my mind is being a kid and being as obsessed with Michael Jordan as everyone else was. 
to the point that I did start watching some basketball just to watch him play, and there was yeah. a certain excitement. I watched about ba- it. I watched basketball for a while because and, of Michael Jordan, and it's supposed to be like then the disinterest faded a little bit. Like, so we're having someone at the least in the new film. I'm I'm hopeful for the acting. Oh yeah, I think LeBron James because be LeBron James is way more charismatic, and they're showing us that there's a valid reason why he's going to go down there too. Well, like, and play. the villain is a live action person, yeah, time, Don Cheadle. And the one thing that I'm worried about with the new movie is, from the look of the trailer, it appears to be the Warner intellectual property movie. Yeah, so that's because they're it, really digging into like. And I just feel like, oh, it. so is this just going to be a really elaborate ad for HBO Max? Of course it is. Which is kind of of course it is. The ending of it is just going to be like all the movies you can watch, like in uh, like HBO Max. Well, I mean, I'm not going to be surprised. There's going to be a digital version of like you know Bowie as his character, uh, like Gar- in the labyrinth. There's just going to well, be like some well, fucked up shit. Like, wasn't there like? Well, apparently the orange. Uh, it's like, uh, it's uh, Alex Defarge and his uh, gang from A Clockwork Orange are in the background. Which, which is like not a film a child should know anything about, but it has been referenced in the Looney Tunes in a fucked up way. Yeah, that is has always been weird to me. <laughs> like when you know things like Animaniacs references something like that was an N, like an X rated movie. But it's supposed to be like oh a wink to the parents. And I hate that shit. I'm like just make a good movie. There's tons of like kids movies that didn't need to wink to the parents. They were just good movies, and they told good stories that everybody could enjoy, rather yeah. than like oh we got to put some you know dirty jokes in there so the parents get it but uh yeah those are our thoughts on space jam the original 1996 this is of course you know a patron exclusive for up to one full year so uh i'd love to know what you thought of space jam especially if you were a kid and you watched this movie and were like a big fan i really want to know what was it you really loved about space jam hey don't you don't even have to rewatch it just tell me what you think you remember and maybe we'll go out and cross reference for you yeah. because this film was a fucking mess i'm sorry <laughs> uh so be on the lookout for upcoming episodes of the podcast uh and we'll be seeing you again very soon